Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the Chinese government in 1952 and remained there until his death in 1972. Following his imprisonment, Witness Lee carried on this ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America and ultimately around the world. He served the Lord for more than 70 years before going to be with him in 1997. His major contribution was through a 21-year labor he called Life Study, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, lsmradio.org. Radio.org. Now, here's our show today. The meal offering from Leviticus is not something that many believers today are that familiar with. But today we have a program which reveals an entire New Testament book explaining the details of the meal offering as the Apostle Paul applies it to our Christian life and our church life. We hope you'll stay with us today for a special treat as Francis Ball has joined us once again to see the meal offering, this time in the New Testament. Welcome back to the broadcast, Francis. As usual, it's a real pleasure to be here, and especially when we're in this matter of these types in the Old Testament and how they're lived out in the New Testament. Francis, today is our final program on the meal offering, and I think it's uh, really quite unique because we're going to be covering the meal offering from the point of view not of Leviticus in the Old Testament, but from Paul's first epistle to the church in Corinth. I think it's uh, going to be very enlightening, even inspiring, to see how much of the meal offering is revealed in this New Testament book. Maybe you could give us uh, a little review or an introduction before we get started today about what we've seen regarding the meal offering thus far, Francis. Well, the meal offering is really a marvelous type, and uh, it really shows Christ as our enjoyment, as our supply, as our food. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you consider the meal offering as we have in the past, considered it as an individual enjoyment of Christ. As we get into this today, we'll see a further development of the application of the meal offering regarding a corporate sense. Francis, before we get to it, let's look at the six ingredients or elements related to the meal offering. What we see in Corinthians really is the reality or the fulfillment of all of these six different things that were mentioned in Leviticus associated with the meal offering. There are four positive ingredients. Why don't you uh, relate those to us? Well, that really is quite meaningful. The fine flour that's in the meal offering as it's uh, opened up to us in Leviticus is uh, a picture of the humanity, a proper fine humanity, which is Christ's humanity. Right. When we use the word humanity, the uplifted humanity, we need to use the word in connection with the oil that's mingled with this humanity as the spirit, the divinity. So you have mingled together humanity and divinity in the meal offering. And then the frankincense that's added is something that really is there to depict the resurrection of Christ for the enjoyment of God the Father himself. Mm. And then we have uh, the salt always added 
And that is a very significant ingredient, Mm -hmm. especially when you think about in taking Christ as the meal offering, the salt must be there. And the salt indicates the crucifixion, the cross, the subjective experiences of the cross. So without that salt, you would have a hard time having a meal offering. Mm -hmm. Then there are two negative items that are mentioned also that have to be dealt with. One is leaven and the other is honey. Never to have any leaven and never to use honey. Leaven, of course, signifies the sinful things. And honey signifies just the natural things, like loving and working in a natural way with natural strength. So we see these two items really don't make up a part of the meal offering, but they should be dealt with. It's very interesting. Leviticus, in a sense, gives us a kind of recipe for the meal offering. It's not very often that a recipe tells you specifically things not to include. Yeah, right. Usually you think of a recipe that tells you all the ingredients uh, that need to be included. But this one, as you just mentioned, uh, identified these two things, the honey and the leaven, specifically not to be put into the meal offering. All of these things very significant, aren't they, Francis? Very, very significant. And uh, I think our listeners will be uh, very delighted, really, to see how the reality of all of these pictures, as we said before, is going to be opened up for us in this book of 1 Corinthians. Why don't we join Witness Lee with the first portion? If you read the four Gospels in Christ's life on this earth, you could find every one of the six elements. And the six elements are the very components of Jesus' life on this earth, which is the very formation of the meal offering. And in the New Testament, we Christians are charged to live the same life. So, strictly speaking, what is a Christian life? A Christian life is meal offering. In Christian life, in our Christian life, we must have the highest humanity. Here is a verse, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, which says, Be a man. Be a man means just to uplift your humanity. You must have a high humanity. A man of a high humanity. That you can exercise self-control. And this is fully mentioned in chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. In these two verses, you could see a character, a human character, so strong. He exercised the self-control over himself. He was so strong in his humanity. He was a real man there. You could see in chapter 13, in describing, in defining what love, I tell you, those verses show you a fine man, a fine man, show you the fine flower. I like those uh, uh, phrases, love suffers long and is kind. Love is not jealousy. Covers all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What kind of a fine character you could see here? Francis, I'd like to stop here. Uh, he's moving rather quickly. We're covering a lot of ground in 1 Corinthians. He's mentioned uh, a couple of portions in chapter 16, also in chapter 13. 
I really don't want our listeners to miss this. This New Testament picture of the meal offering being such a proper and uplifted example of humanity, especially I liked when he brought out this matter in chapter 13. It's often quoted, but I don't think we see it often in this context, the matter of love. And also in chapter 9, where Paul talks about a real man exercises self-control. Talk about all of these pictures that we're seeing, Francis. Well, this is really marvelous and quite uh, revealing to us that God does not want to make us into something uh, other than a man. Mm -hmm. He created man for a purpose. The Apostle Paul is referring back to this again to show us that God wants real men, but not just men in their natural way, but men who are not trying to be angelic, not trying to be something super spiritual. Right. What he wants is a man full of the divine life. And to live out this kind of life, we need to have the meal offering. Now, the meal offering, of course, the fine flour is mainly pointing out this humanity. And humanity, as it's presented by Paul here, is quite a a marvelous thing. To be a man is something that a lot of Christians have kind of lost sight of, and they think they have to be something else, Mm -hmm. an angel or some kind of superhuman being. No, God wants men. He wants full-grown men, and he wants them grown uh, like the meal offering with the fine flour mingled with the oil. Now, the oil there is the Spirit, so we need to be men full of the Spirit, not just men full of ourselves or full of good things. I like this word in 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen: be men. And the quality of man he's talking about is really brought out in the way he presents himself. He's a high-standard man. It's interesting in this age that we're living in, uh, both in the secular world, the unbelieving world, and I would say we would have to be fair, in the Christian world, there has been a kind of a dehumanizing impact of uh, Satan's work, I would say. And uh, even this matter of a proper manhood and what a proper man really is, it's hard to find anymore, isn't it, Francis? That's right. So much make-believe. This passage in 1 Corinthians 13, as you mentioned, is a passage on love. You hear so much about love, but I often refer to this as love, (laughs) kind of like a a false affection, something not so human, more animal-like. But we're seeing here the kind of love that is really divine. That's really something of the expression of the meal offering of flour mingled with oil. Let's go back, Francis, and look at a little more of the meal offering in the church life aspect of the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians was written to really the church in Corinth, a church that had many difficulties, a lot of problems that are often talked about. But that implies a corporate aspect to this meal offering. Particularly, we want to see in this coming section the oil as the spirit, as you pointed out a moment ago. Uh, A verse in chapter 6, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And then the salt as the crucified Christ that Paul preached. And finally, the leaven which needed to be purged out from the church in Corinth. Here's Witness Lee to help us with all of these pictures. So this book, First Corinthians, is a book on uplifting human character. Uplifting humanity, making you a man. In this book, you could see the real fine flower. The second element is the oil, the spirit. 
And I must tell you, according to my study of the New Testament, no other book talks about this period so many times in so many aspects. Then in the second chapter, it talks about a lot concerning the spirit. Then in chapter 3, it says, we are at the temple of the spirit of God. Then chapter 6, verse 17, it says what? It says, we are joined to him in one spirit. Do you know today, as a man, in a good sense, you can be one with the divine spirit. If you are not one with the spirit, you just cannot have the church life. The church life is a life of humanity oiled by and with the Holy Spirit. Also in this book, you have what? You have the cross. Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. We don't preach miracle. Neither we preach wisdom. We preach a crucified Christ. You must live a crucified life. Then you have the power in preaching the gospel. This book doesn't teach you to be glorified, but it does teach you to be crucified. Learn to be crucified. Without the cross, there's no church life, no salt, no meal offering. The meal offering has to be salted. Then, leaven is dead with. I'm so glad in chapter 5. In the whole New Testament, this is the only place that deals with leaven. A little leaven will what? Will leaven the whole leaven. You have to deal with the little leaven. Leaven is not tolerated in church life. Francis, in the first portion, uh, we saw quite a bit about the humanity side, which is really the fine flower of the meal offering. Now here he's touched in a quick way the oil, the salt, and the leaven. Develop these points for us. I feel this is marvelous ministry to see these elements put together. The oil, as he pointed out, And that message was so much a matter of uh, our having the Spirit in us. The oil is necessary. We uh, are made one spirit with the Lord, according to the 10th chapter. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Right. Also, there's that wonderful part that we can be one spirit with the Lord. Right. Means we have the Holy Spirit with us and in us. But the next item that he mentioned, salt, this is a picture of the crucifixion, the cross of Christ, subjectively applied. And that, to me, is really significant because we are so prone to think that Christ bore the cross, but there's no cross for me. No, that cross must be experienced subjectively by us within our very being. If without the cross, you can't really have the meal offering. Just like without the salt, you don't really have the meal offering. Right. So without the cross, you don't have that opportunity to be a meal offering to others, something good for their nourishment. Then this matter of leaven. Leaven indicates everything that's sinful, everything that's evil. Of course, he brought in the matter of the church here. So within the church, there cannot be a toleration of leaven or evil or sinful things. So we can see that there's no leaven in the meal offering. So with this kind of combination of items, I think we get a clear picture 
of this book we're in now, 1 Corinthians. If we in our church life experience are really experiencing this uplifted humanity, the humanity of the Lord Jesus, mingled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, under the cross all the time, free of leaven, we're really experiencing something that to God becomes a sweet, satisfying meal offering that we also enjoy, don't we? That's very, very good. Well, let's go on, Francis. We want to come this time to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 17. And this verse says, Seeing that there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. This is our conclusion today, touching this corporate aspect of the meal offering in chapters 10 and 11 of 1 Corinthians. Once again, let's go to Witness Lee. Now, we come to the last point. That is, listen, we are many, yet we are one bread. One cake, one bread. The cake or the bread signifies the corporate life. Do you have the Lord's table by yourself? You have to take the cup with the saints. And you have to take the bread with the saints. This is a fellowship. Now, First Corinthians chapter 10, it says what? It says what? The cup we bless, are we not have the fellowship of the blood of Christ? Then the bread we break. It's not that we have fellowship of the body of Christ. Yes, it is a matter of fellowship. If you do it by yourself, there's no fellowship. But we do it in a corporal way. So every time we come to the table, that is the church life. That is a sign of the church life. That is a testimony of the church life. Then in chapter 11, it tells us we have to be careful. Don't take the cup and don't take the bread unworthily. We have to, what? Prove ourselves first. Then we take the cup. And then we take the bread. Then we will not eat our judgment. So, in all the plans mentioned in this book, you have a corporate life. And this corporate life, according to 16 chapters of this book, should be, what? A strong man. Oiled with the Holy Spirit. Living a life under the cross with the resurrection of Christ as a frankincense. Without any leaven and without any honey. This is the church life. Isn't this church life a kind of meal offering? The whole church life is a meal offering. Francis, we touched this point at the uh, end of our time together just before we went back to Witness Lee. Let's pick it up again, seeing the church life as a whole as a kind of meal offering. Now, this term church life, from time to time we use it in this program because it was such an important part of uh, Witness Lee's ministry, yet I think it's a term that needs a little defining. Probably many of our listeners aren't used to using such a term. Talk about what we mean generally as the church life and then how it's applied to this matter of the meal offering. Well, the church life is simply the Christians meeting together in oneness as members of the body of Christ, as members who have partaken of Christ, enjoyed Christ. By that, we mean that they are eating the same food. 
He even used the illustration of the Lord's table here. Mm -hmm. And that's not just an illustration. That's really the fact. There is the fellowship, one with the other, at the Lord's table. And that really is the principal item of the church life. Our living by Christ, feeding upon Christ. When we take the bread, we have the fellowship and the oneness with other members. Mm -hmm. When we take the cup, we realize that God is our portion and that Christ's shed blood really makes us one. And this is the church life. The church life is not uh, an organizational thing. The church life is really living Christ as our meal offering. And by that, we individually become a kind of a meal offering to one another. And the whole church becomes a corporate meal offering. You know, the meal offering could be taken individually, but also it's baked into a cake right. or to a loaf. And even in First Corinthians, it mentions we partake of the same bread, the one loaf. So by having this kind of one life together and this one enjoyment of Christ together, we become a corporate meal offering, a body, a cake, a corporate meal offering. So I hope that uh, this kind of meal offering realization could be more and more our experience. And this is really the church life. And the church life there in Corinth had all these ingredients, and the negative things also were there, but they got dealt with. They got exposed, and they got taken care of. So this is a reason, I think, that First Corinthians is such a wonderful picture of a corporate meal offering. Francis, it strikes me a lot of uh, listeners, a lot of Christians listening to something like this may say, well, I have, I have a church but I don't know that I have a church life. There seems to be an implication here when you use this term. We're talking about more than just coming together on Sunday mornings, aren't we? That's right, and uh, it's not a matter of going to church. It's a matter of church life or being the church, living this kind of life every day. And, of course, we come together, but that doesn't mean that uh, we're just gathering for an occasion, but we are living a church life where we enjoy the same food, we enjoy the same drink, we enjoy the same meal offering. Yeah, it's not as if the church being another term for the body of Christ, as you said, we don't just gather all of the parts of our body together one day a week and kind of celebrate that uh, it's one body. That seems to be our experience uh, moment by moment, day by day, or at least it should be if we're normal. I remember one young man at a college, someone asked him, where do you go to church? He said, I don't, we are. <laughs> Very good, Francis. Thank you for your fellowship today on the meal offering from 1 Corinthians. We'll have you back very soon as we uh, have a bit more ground to cover yet in this life study of Leviticus. Amen. Thank you very much. We have time to uh, talk a little bit about these life study messages that are available at the printed volumes from the life study of Leviticus. There are four volumes in total, and we would love to get these messages to you because this is a book that uh, many Christians have been, well, I would not say afraid of, but at least a little reluctant uh, because they feel they just can't understand such a uh, a writing that has all of these details about Old Testament things, but the marvelous thing that this life study has brought us day by day is an opening up of these Old Testament pictures and types. And it is something that requires a bit of study and a bit of uh, digging on your own. At least uh, I think your experience and enjoyment will be enhanced if you can do it. So contact us. We'd love to get these volumes to you. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Francis Ball today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening.
Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee, as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us radio at lsm.org or call us toll free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.